to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. This is your weekly podcast, delivering you the insight, ideas, and inspiration to successfully change and transform in our ever-evolving world of retail. Enjoy listening. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. My name is Oliver Banks. I'm your host. I'm a retail transformation specialist, a coach, and a consultant. And I work with retailers to help them identify and define their ideal and future operating model, and then develop and deliver the changes to realize that operating model, driving profitability and relevance. Thanks for tuning in today. This one is episode 180. Number 180. (laughs) No, not a darts fan. (laughs) Episode 180 then. Today I'm diving into a topic that is really fascinating and so relevant for the retail industry. And it's one of those topics that all retailers wrestle with in some form or another. And that is the concept of Slack. Now, if you don't know what Slack is, then just wait for a couple of minutes and we'll dive straight on into it, exploring what it is and some examples that I think you're going to find oh so familiar. But to help us do that, I am delighted to welcome Jeff Roberts to the Retail Transformation Show. Now, Jeff is partner and head of futures at Jump Innovation, helping clients to design alternate futures and develop business models to win them. Previously, he's been a director at Alchemy, focused on retail and consumer products, and he's held a number of other great advisory and consultancy roles. He's a specialist in operating model design, so Jeff and I always love to geek out (laughs) on operating models, and he's always thinking about how companies can bring new products and services to market and design an organization for growth into new categories and help businesses to protect and expand their market positions. He's super smart and all round wonderful, so it's a pleasure to welcome Jeff to the show. The show notes for today's episode are going to be at obandco.uk slash 180. That's obandco.uk slash 180. Stick around to the end where I've got some extra episodes for you to check out. But without further ado, here is my conversation exploring Slack with Jeff Roberts. Well, a very warm welcome to you, Jeff Roberts, here on the Retail Transformation Show. How are you? Doing great, Ollie. It's thanks a lot for having me. It's super to be here. How are you getting on? I'm doing really well and really excited to dive into this session, Jeff. We are going to be talking all about the concept of Slack. So without further ado, let's jump straight on in. What are we talking about here? What is Slack? So Slack is one of those uh, fabulously amorphous concepts, I think, that exist in the in the world of people who study organizations. And the simple concept is it's just free resources, whether those be people or money or time or attention or whatever the case may be, that enable the organization to, to have the capacity to respond to emergent demands. It's as simple as that. Okay. So I like, I like that free resources, whatever different type of resource. That's a good way of thinking about it. So Let's just paint a picture. Can, can you come up with some examples? Where do we where do we see this in retail? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, in a retail context, it might be sort of uh, staff on the floor. So if you're thinking about in a, in a physical store concept, you might have staff on the floor who are not all the time engaged. And that can be a good thing because you might have peaks and troughs, as we know, of people coming through the store. So making sure that not everyone is fully engaged simultaneously ensures that you've got some slack in the local staffing model that enables you to respond to things. So um, you might in, see the, in, in that example, office. if we just dive into that, hmm. I don't know how many customers are going to walk through the door, how many are going to want to have a, an in-depth conversation or just be pointed to a particular. I need to have the slack in the operating model, in the resource levels to be able to cope with a reasonable amount of customers coming in, depending on whatever retail setup I'm, I'm working in. That might be a, a half an hour conversation. It might be mm -hmm. a whole series of one minute conversations, right? Absolutely. So it can be certainly variable depending on you know, what kind of environment you're operating, what, what are your general customer needs? So what do those look like? How do they engage? What are your staff expected to do in that environment? So there's any number of variables, I think, that come together uh, that define how you might get a handle on and frame how much is the appropriate level of slack in whatever context you have to be working in. Mm. And I think it's interesting in terms of you have a level of slack. Let's, let's use that example of colleagues in a store proverbially waiting for customers to come in. If customers come in and you use all of that slack, happy days, you've planned for it and you've, you're probably having a booming sales day, hopefully. But if customers don't come in, how do you build an operating model that can keep people occupied and get value out of them so they're not sitting there twiddling their thumbs, so to speak? But equally, if a load of customers do come in, that work isn't missed. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's a great question because I think what it calls out is I think there's a handful of things that you would need to be involved with if you wanted to plan and, and use this appropriately. I think first and foremost is it, it sits in many ways at the heart of strategy. So what do we do? What are we trying to achieve? So strategy, I think, always relies on two things, an, an understanding of what's happening in the outside world and then what you as a business are going to do to respond to that. So those two things come together to create some sort of strategy. So actually thinking from starting from that point of saying, okay, who are we, how do we act, who do we serve, et cetera, around that. And then I think there's a second element to it, which is saying, understanding that the business operates with multiple projects, all operating multiple timelines. So to bring that to life is that, you know, we have, we can think of a customer exchange as a project. Mm. It's an activity that needs to be executed against. You could think about restocking. You could think about, say, the implementation of an IT system, whatever. They're all different things that are happening that support the actual operating model of the business, but they all operate in slightly different, oftentimes asynchronous timelines. Time so the best way to think about Slack in that respect is to say, so it requires an understanding of what the business is trying to achieve an understanding of what you're trying to do at, say, different levels in the business. So maybe head office versus store, and then an understanding of the timelines in those which those things are happening. So they all come together in a way that says we have an estimated view of demand. So we know staffing tends to line to that. We have an estimated view of how long it takes to do activities in store. So how long replenishment takes versus checkouts versus restocking, whatever the case may be, those different things. And then there can be other projects in the business that need to happen that might be moving separately. So the idea being is that you can put Slack resources against those. So if you have, say, from a people perspective, you can use them to pick up projects. So, you know, it's the classic one, particularly in quick service restaurants around, you know, if you have time to lean, you have time to clean. The idea <laughs> being is that you can you, you pick up activities, projects in that operating model context that need to happen. But should the environment suddenly change and you're needed for what we might define as a core activity, you can leave that behind because itself doesn't require continual attention mm. and you can return to what was the core activity. 
Yeah, I, I like that that idea. It's interesting, but equally, you've got to make sure. I suppose you know, using that example, you, you still need to clean at some stage. You've just got to make sure that doesn't fall so far down the priority list <laughs> that it never happens, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's 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 a difficult difficult balance to to continually monitor those resources. Have you got some other examples of where we might see or experience slack in retail, Jeff? Sure. I mean, you see it. So I think, well, we've been living through this pandemic for what feels like an eternity now. But, you know, the last two years, we saw a whole number of, of retailers have to make a sudden transition to digital channels. So an enormous surge in the need because that's where your consumers were. And so there was a need to get into those. Mm. And so what we saw was um, a number of large retailers suddenly having to suck up additional resources to pull that through. And so what we could see was that there was rebalancing of people inside the business, there was the, you can buy in Slack externally. So this is why we have thriving contractor markets, the consultancy markets, because they provide short-term Slack for project-specific activities. Mm-hmm. But you could also see, and I'll stick with the channel model. You know, we could see it uh, with the rise of things like buy online pickup in store or curbside pickup, which we see a lot of in the U.S. We could see a whole um, repositioning there, where we saw an emergent opportunity, which was suddenly we can't use the physical store in the way that we used to. We still have people that we are employing. We don't want to lose those people because we know how painful it is to go through a rehiring process. Yes. And how do we meet customers in this new environment? How do we use existing resources to do that? And so I think you can think around sort of channel redevelopment is another great example of mm. of where we saw a reallocation of resources that sucked up a lot of internal slack. I think that's really interesting. And actually, this whole shift to omni-channel ways of working arguably complicates it because if you are doing in-store picks and fulfillment for online orders that's a core activity you can't leave that and just not get around to it for the day right so you've now got another core activity that you must do that you must build in slack for yet equally you don't know whether that customer is going to order online or walk into store which will take again different resources obviously over time you can build up a statistical picture but Mm. as we've all seen there's not a huge amount of historical stats that are, are particularly valid as the world continues to change. And, you know, you look year on year and, oh, well, that wasn't the same because 2021 we were in lockdown or whatever, whatever. So it's it's an interesting challenge that the whole shift to omnichannel brings as well. Absolutely. I mean, it requires you in many ways to, to, to multi-tool staff, but also multi-tool the organization. So, you know, we I think traditionally, so if we just stick with channels for a minute, you know, we can think of... Organizers, retailers in particular used to think of digital as a separate entity. You know, for much of my earlier career, it was it was a group of people that sat in a specific place that managed a website mm. and then eventually grew into managing a website as it connected to some fulfillment centers. And then what we saw is that as we started to bring it more into an omni-channel world where you were using stores for all kinds of different activities, you know, through to discovery, through to fulfillment, we saw the greater integration of those teams. And so it required ultimately a redesign of how you bring those capabilities to bear. And so you can integrate that, again, through people. You can integrate it through technology. You can think about what your process architecture looks like. But fundamentally, I think, what it is, and where Slack tends to get pulled out of systems, is is we we look at it primarily through a cost lens. So we see a tool, be that a software platform or be that a, a store, or we see a particular capability set, which might be embedded in a human being or might be embedded in a process. And if it's sitting idle, so in the old lean way of thinking, if you know if it's sitting idle in that respect, we tend to assume that it's 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 cost that we're not reaping a benefit on. Yep. When in reality, it's in many ways 
preparation that you might need to respond to what will inevitably be a uh, an uncertain context. Mm. Yeah, that's that's interesting, and I think it's important as we're thinking about that that everyone recognises what you said a few minutes ago, which was it's not just about people resources; it's all types mm. of resources as well. So, you know, everything from stock and you know cash investments, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, certainly. The other one big area that I think we we, we really experience the challenge of Slack in retail is around peak and increasingly in recent years Black Friday. Where, you know, if you think of e-commerce, you see this huge, huge spike that we need to be able to deal with. Or, you know, in a supermarket, we've got Christmas week where certainly here in the UK, sales go up enormously and it's all hands to the pump, so to speak. What What's the best way of dealing with this slack where you've got this small, small period for the year where mm-hmm. it goes crazy? And then for like, like I say, 99% of the year, it's fine. How do you deal with that in terms of, you know, warehouse space or in terms of total colleagues or in terms of total stock? What are your thoughts? I mean, I, I, sadly, I'm going to give a classic consultant's answer where, where there is no <laughs> single right solution to this. Oh, you know, in, in many ways, <laughs> in many ways, it, it, it depends largely on, you know, the type of the type of retailer that you are, the type of demand surge that you're meeting. So if we think of supply chain whiplash that happened at the beginning of the pandemic, mm. where there was just simply too much demand. And then the fulfillment back end of that was so tightly wound. There wasn't a lot of slack in it. We, were, we had grown very accustomed because it was much cheaper to operate. And we built a world around just in time. Yep. And so we saw when that fell apart, you know, how, how rapidly, or I guess how much of a knife edge it felt like so much of contemporary organization, particularly in retail, where we all physically experienced it, yeah. uh, was sitting on. I think when you have peaks and troughs around things like Black Friday or around Christmas and then the January sales and pieces like that, you know, I think a lot of it comes to, while you can't ideally, so I think it's a mix of looking back and looking forward is the way I think about it. So the looking back is historical statistics that you have available to you can be useful to get an understanding of what the bedrock is. So this is the kind of demand we tend to see. The looking forward, I think, and, and, and I obviously have to plug this as someone that does futures for a living, is that I think you really have to think around under what kind of circumstances or what scenarios might these environments manifest? So is this going to be a unique Black Friday because we have a new product line that's coming in store yep. that wasn't there previously? You know, Does it line up to a new major, say, home technology release? And so we know there's going to be a surge of people in store to get this. Yes. Is it going to, you know, could we see... You know, you can play out again through the through the, the the plausible, the edge case and the extreme where you could say, well, plausibly, it might look like last year. Chances are, you know, there's going to be most of that variation is going to be absorbed like last mm. year. You might have an edge case, you know, where we go into another lockdown and, and you find yourself in another lockdown and suddenly it gets released two weeks before Christmas and people are very excited to get yeah. out. <laughs> say you have a major view there, or, or it might be a an extreme case, you know, where suddenly, I don't know, there's an alien invasion. And so suddenly, you know, we're just trying to get basics through. Yep. Um, it's a silly example, but but the idea being is that you can, you can frame those out to, again, try to help model how could we potentially respond to this environment mm. on a basis of, in the past, it kind of looked like this. And so we know that staffing models went up for four days between, you know, the 22nd and the 26th. We could say that, you know, the but future, we might see an extreme change on this. And I think if you bring those two things together, it makes for a much more powerful solution to, to figure out what's the appropriate way to pack some slack into the system. Mm. Yeah, that's 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 some good tips. Everyone's suddenly scribbling their plans down for the alien invasion now. 
<laughs> Let's take a slightly different angle because we're using up additional resources to proverbially buy us Slack, but essentially that's exactly what it is, actually. What's what's the impact of, of building Slack into the system? Obviously, particularly when I guess you don't use it, right? I mean, the critical thing about Slack, and I think sort of where, where I discovered it, um, so I came across this whole concept of Slack many, many moons ago when I was in grad school and still my PhD on, and so I studied organizations. And so the, the idea is that Slack becomes the, the ground. It's very fertile ground for organizations to innovate, for them to do novel things. So it's not just reactive. Mm. So it's not just an opportunity to respond to suddenly circumstances have changed. We need more people or we need a new channel uh, to market or whatever the case may be. Oftentimes what Slack enables you to do is it provides that breathing space to think that breathing space for novelty to emerge mm. and to be quite frankly, to frank about it rather, for that novelty to find solutions. Because you can kind of think of the organization as in some ways a, a set of problems looking for solutions and a set of solutions looking for problems. And so what you have with Slack is that it provides an opportunity for a little bit of serendipity for those things to find each other yep. and for some really interesting novelty to emerge. Oh, that's really interesting. I, yeah, I hadn't thought about it like that. I, I kind of like that, Jeff. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> So to, to, to buy up that opportunity, <laughs> I guess, how should you do this? I, I, from my mind, it really does start strategy-led, right? So you need to be very clear on, on what kind of retailer you are and, and where you're going to play. So who are your customers? You know, what are the locations that you're going to service? What are channels are you coming through? What kind of experiencing are you engendering in store? What's the relationship between head office and store? You know, all the pieces that unpack around how you would do an operating model, mm. you know, how you would bring this we're going to do this and it looks like that and how you bring that to life. And then I think it really fundamentally is something that around. So I would say fundamentally, you want to think about, I like scenario led approaches that really enable you to think around how could the world take shape? I think things like simulation can be hugely powerful for understanding, you know, under those scenario circumstances, how can you potentially simulate responses to that so that you can get, do some initial thinking, and I think you can move from, a, and those could be very formal simulations. You could do something computationally based, or they can just be informal. You know, we re, we close a dark store for a couple, of, or we make a store dark for a couple of days and run some walkthroughs. Mm -hmm. But I think the idea being is that you take this idea of who we are and where we play. You combine that with a, under what circumstances might different sets of activities in our environment take shape. And then you really want to play them out. And that can be, and I think this is the finding opportunities to experiment, finding opportunities to do small scale simulations to see what that looks like, because it then really comes to life. You know, that's the fun bit that gets everybody excited generally. And But where it really comes to life, I think, is that you have to bake it into the organization design. Mm. So it has to come down into the, what bits are we ultimately going to hardwire into the business? You know, we think that we absolutely fundamentally need a physical estate. And so that's what we're going to do. And that physical state needs to be serviced. And so we need people, they need technology. We need a, we need a process flow that works through there. And then what are the bits that we think there's, there's opportunity to either partner on? What are their bits that there's opportunities to potentially short-term contract? What kind of capabilities should we be building mm -hmm. as we go through? So I think to bring it all together, I think it really is a case of, you know, where do you play? So to, to steal Roger Martin's work, you know, where do you play and how do you win when you get there? I think the really thinking around, what under what circumstances might take that might that come to life and then really what needs to be true to make it real mm. and then baking that into an organization design that enables you to execute against what this looks like but then leaves enough spare capacity yep. to respond to emergent things or to even generate some novelty yep that makes sense 
And, and as you're looking at all of that, it's, it's a great approach, right? Going back to the strategy and making sure that you're being intentional with your operating model. But building in that spare capacity, where do you know where and how much spare capacity you should build in? It's a, it's a great question. And again, I'm going to give a very prevaricating answer, which is <laughs> it, 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 depends. it depends. It really depends on your environment. So I think the whole reason that I suggest doing some, some futures and some forecasting work on this and some foresights work on it and the scenario-based work is that it enables you to figure out if we had an environment suddenly where there is another lockdown and we're back to a world of, of, of basic transactions inside stores. You know, that's all mm. you can do. That enables you to say, well, what would that world look like and how would we operate within that? Or let's say that, you know, we come up with some sort of super medicines and, and we, we no longer face the threat of, of global pandemic. I mean, fingers crossed, what a life. But they, if, if that were the case, then what would the world look like under that if we, if we had a constant flow of activity? Then I think that enables you to do, and this is why I think it always comes back to strategy, is that you have to say, okay, we see this. There's four potential options, for example. We're going to have to make a bet on a couple of them. Mm-hmm. And, the, and, and then that's where you can pull the traditional tools that you would pull together for strategy, right? You can quantify the opportunity. You understand what the scale of the thing looks like. You know, all the things that make, you know, the, the, the finance guys really happy when you've gone through and thought about what's this look like and how does it do? And then I think then you work that through your operating model. You say, if we need an environment that looks like this, if we know that, you know, we think that channel resilience is fundamentally the core thing that makes our business work. And and we think what's required to make that real. And then you can unpack that through the operating model mm. and you can say, actually, for example, you know, we'll continue to do a far East sourcing strategy. We're still going to do manufacturing in Vietnam. That's fine. So we'll get clothing from there, but we're going to start carrying 90 days worth of supply versus say 14. Mm. And so that means that we're going to need more distribution and warehousing. Yep. So a shift to some elements, not fully, just in case rather than just in time. I think that's it exactly. Yeah, exactly. And and I suppose one of the challenges with this is you build that in and that's great. But in, I don't know, let's say two years time when the proverbial finance screw gets turned (laughs) and you go like, oh, where can I find some cost savings, instant cost savings, right? Slack looks like a great opportunity to save some costs and you, you say actually let's dial that capital uh that, that working capital down from 90 days to 14 <laughs> great yeah, exactly. we, used to, we used to run like that or let's you know let's cut out that spare spare slack time for store colleagues or where, whatever how do you overcome that challenge of preserving the slack in the system mm-hmm. just in case when you are up against it to find cost savings in particular and again, I think it I think it fundamentally comes down to a commitment to a strategy. So yeah. you have to say that we as a business are going to participate. We think we win because we're organized like this. And this is what it looks like. And it has to be ongoing review. It, you know, like most strategy documents, and, and I've probably written more than my fair share of them. Most strategy documents, they, they get written and then they go one of two places. They either go to the shelf over your right hand shoulder. Or they go to like balance out your desk when it gets a bit wonky. They go under you know, whatever the link is it's going there. They seldom, if ever, come out and are, and are actually living things. And so I think part of this is about building in a review of how your business is structured and how it's operating as part of the regular things that you do from C-suite down. There needs to be an understanding of not only, you know, what does market share look like? What are we doing in transactions? You know, what, what's what's processing time? Whatever, all the normal metrics that you would use to manage a retail operation. Yeah. There needs to be a say of, right, well, we deliberately built some capacity here. Are we using it? Are we not? Should we move it somewhere else? Yeah, and it 
can become a, an intentional conversation that is not out of convenience, shall we say? <laughs> exactly. But if you, if, yeah, if you know how how you're going to win, and you tie your shoelaces together, then yeah. <laughs> Uh, I guess that's that's the challenge. Are there any other challenges, Jeff, that you tend to see as as, as we're planning or or maintaining Slack? Yeah, I think I think you definitely nailed the top one, which was it is an easy place to look for cost savings, and I think that that that's the fundamental, the really big one. I think, but I think the other things are, it's just an awareness. You know, it's bringing the thing into something that I think about. So if if I think about most of the metrics that most organizations use to manage against. So a traditional dashboard that you would see, most of those metrics weren't on there 10 years ago. You know, a lot of stuff that we look at weren't things that we think are now critical to know about the organization a decade ago. Yeah. And so I think it's about using the same view on it, which is that in many ways, it's about engendering a, a belief in a little bit of flexibility, a little bit of experimentation to, to drive some curiosity in the business to say, you know, we need to be curious about what's happening there. Does that make sense? If we did it a different way, what does that look like? And it doesn't have to be, I think the key thing I would say on Slack is that it shouldn't be wholesale overhaul on a constant basis. You know, we shouldn't say, right, we're going to go from 10 days supply holding to 90 and then three months later come back and go, nope, 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 it's back to 10. You know, you can't function like that. Yeah, that's when you'll end up building Slack in, taking it out, and you'll end up having the wrong Slack in the wrong place because... Yeah, I, I can imagine. Exactly, that. exactly. Yeah. So I do think it's that. I think, you know, to my mind, it's the three things. It's the it's the being committed to your strategy and sort of knowing how it makes you win. It's it's really about making bringing an awareness to, to what you're actually focusing on. So just making sure it's one of those things that you're working on. And I think the third thing is it's around having this, uh, this view of, of curiosity around the business. Why do things work the way they work? What would happen if we did it a little bit differently or if we brought it over here versus over there? Very interesting. That's fantastic, Jeff. This has been a really fascinating conversation that I I know we will absolutely be continuing offline. (laughs) And if anyone else would like to to reach out and engage in conversation, Jeff, what's the best way of reaching out to you or finding out more about what you do? Uh, Yeah, sure. So um, I'm the head of futures at an innovation and strategy consultancy called Jump. So please feel free to get in touch with me via LinkedIn. So I'm under I'm under my full name there to make my mother happy. So I'm under Jeffrey Roberts there. But uh, by all means, I uh, get in touch. More than happy to carry on the conversation. Fantastic. Well, I think this has been a, a really enlightening conversation, Jeff. Like I say, I think this whole concept of Slack is something that you know we touched on it earlier. As we continue to move to omni-channel ways of working, as we continue to see these huge peaks and troughs. It's got to be a topic that is really front of mind. And I suppose the number one message coming out of our conversation today is go back to strategy. What are you trying to do? What, what's the plan? Yeah, if everyone takes exactly. that away, that's a, a positive big pile of golden nuggets to consume. So thank you so much, Jeff. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Perfect. Thank you for joining me here on the show. Thanks again, Ollie. Really enjoyed it. Fantastic conversation there with Jeff. So much to consider in this topic. And like I mentioned right at the start of the episode, every retailer comes up against this particular challenge in some form or another. Now, if you'd like some more listening, then here are some recommendations to jump straight on into. Firstly, check out episode 142 called The Modern Retail Operating Model, which was recorded at my live virtual event, Retail Transformation Live. And actually, 
Jeff joined me on the virtual stage as we recorded this episode. So do check that one out, episode 142. You will also enjoy a recent episode I did a solo show, episode 174, what to do when there is no right answer. And then two other recommendations for you. Join me as I chatted to Julian Mills of Corso in episode 118 called the Agile Stores Manifesto. Agility and flexibility, of course, a key part of the conversation today. And then strategy, also another important part. So check out episode 71, 10 of the biggest strategy mistakes to avoid. So do enjoy listening to those. If you can't remember them, then the one place to head over to right now is the show notes for today's episode, obandco.uk slash 180. That's obandco.uk slash 180. And whilst you're over there, do sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing, my free email newsletter. It comes out every single week with the key retail transformation headlines from around the world, as well as insight and intel to keep your finger firmly on the pulse of our ever-evolving industry. Sign up totally for free, obandco.uk slash 180. Thanks for listening, and I look forward to joining you in another episode of the Retail Transformation Show podcast very, very soon. And do hit that subscribe button in your favorite podcast app if you haven't already done so. Bye for now.